I actually remember driving along and I must have had like a fun old memory come to mind or maybe a joke someone had told or something. And I smiled and I thought to myself, wow, I've not felt that feeling in like two years. Welcome to Are You Mental, a podcast about mental health. My name is Mick Andrews, and today we're talking all about the path through depression. I'm making a three-episode mini-series where I talk to three people who have experienced depression and, for the most part, have come out the other side. We talk about what their depression was like, but more importantly, we focus on what helped them get through, down to the brass tacks of tools, habits, and inner work that helped lift their depression. So no matter who you are or where you're at, I think you're going to get a lot out of these episodes. But my greatest hope is that they are listened to by people who are currently in a difficult and maybe even dark place with depression, to impart strategies and tools to help shift the depression, and most importantly, to give hope. So if that's you, I really encourage you to keep listening. And if you know someone currently experiencing depression, I invite you to do that courageous thing and share this episode with them. Just to cover off some housekeeping, we are needing some funds to make the next episode of Are You Mental? So if you want to help out with that, go to our sparkly new website at areyoumental.com and click on the donate button. And if you want to get hold of me for any reason, you can email mick, that's M-I-C-K, at areyoumental.com. In this third episode of this little series, I got a friend of mine, Ryan, into our little studio. Does that just need, like, spinning around multiple times? Hello. (laughs) I've known Ryan for about 15 years, and a decade ago we were housemates for a year or two. And while we're not the hang-out-every-week kind of friends, I was still surprised at how little I knew about his journey with depression. So I sat him down and asked him about when it all started. Basically the cause of what started things was my family, my family of origin family, was going through some a difficult situation mm. and I basically jumped into an over-functioning mode mm. of trying to save the the story yeah which I've subsequently become aware that was a role that I tended to play but now things were extreme um, with the situation we were dealing with so my trying to save what was an unsavable situation really put me into over-functioning and hyper-functioning for many months or maybe a year, constantly. Mm. A lot of anxiety and stress and action and execution, basically to the point that my adrenals just gave way one day and I ended up collapsed in a heap. Burnt out? Yeah, mm. yeah, totally. What does that mean to you to say your adrenals gave way? What it means is that I couldn't rally to do anything, as in get my body to carry on functioning. Mm. So I'd always been a high performer and now I was finding it difficult to get out of bed. Mm. Um, You know, menial tasks seemed impossible to Mm. do. So I moved from being a high performer to being a very low performer in terms of being able to get stuff done, which also had a shame component because I'd always valued the side of me that was the guy who got things done. And so there was this kind of layer of negative self-talk of the shameful piece about here I was no longer the guy who could fix things or get things done. Mm. 
And what I feel like is that depression was my body telling me that it had something to say. Yeah, I really feel like it was my body saying, I've got some things that need to be addressed. When Ryan's body took over, his day-to-day experience of life changed dramatically. At its worst, I found myself curled up. There's a couple of memories I have. One curled up in bed and one lying on the floor, curled up crying with some sort of deep, hopeless tears. It was just an awful, awful feeling running through my body, and I couldn't... It didn't seem like crying moved anything off. Mm. And I didn't know why I was crying or why my body... It was like my body was out of control in a way, and I couldn't stop it happening. Mm. Scary. It was was bloody scary, yeah. I do recall days when I'd turn up to work, look at what was in front of me, and just think, no way, can't do any of it. And I'd I'd just leave my desk and walk away. Mm. You mentioned before the word hopelessness. Yeah. If you were to continue to throw words at it that would describe the emotional experience, how might you start to do that? I actually think hopeless is one of the best words. Hmm. It's amazing what hope can do for your your mind, for your body. But when you have no hope, Hmm. very difficult to do anything at all. So I I actually think hopeless is probably the best word to describe it. But I could easily throw the words like exhaustion, depletion, sad. Yes, there are definitely times of sadness, but it was also like the lack of anything else, kind of like a big blob, feeling very heavy. Hmm. Um, yeah. And as you described the fact that you couldn't control it, that to me is what sounds scary. Uh-huh. Is it's like I'm on this roller coaster. I didn't buy a ticket. Yeah. I don't want to be on it. Yeah. And I don't know where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's very scary to feel hopeless and out of control. Mm. Yeah. Can you describe more what was going on for you physically at that time? Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, physically, I was, you know, on some days, finding it hard to get out of bed. I was never, like, bedridden. I always was able to get out of bed, but it certainly was not, like wake up and jump out of bed mm. by any means. So in some days I would be in bed crying in the morning or something like that. Um, I do recall I'd always been able to rely on like gut feeling was a, was a way that I used to make my decisions in life. Mm. And basically for a number of years, I felt like my gut was no longer there for me. Mm. So huge amount of anxiety and churning in the gut was kind of like the fundamental feeling and I felt like it wasn't there to draw decisions from Mm. and that was really scary to me. Um, One of the interesting things was that it was actually during this depression that I ended up finding my now wife Mm. and I must say when I was depressed it started off very acutely, I'd go very low and then there was a period of time where I seemed to re-emerge a little bit, so it wasn't quite as bad. And I found my uh, wife, so we'd actually been friends for years, and I went over and uh, she was from the States, and I went over and took her on a date and started this long-distance relationship. And it wasn't too long before we got engaged. It was under a year. Hmm. What was interesting is during the relationship and then that moving into 
getting engaged, it was causing me to open my heart to a lot of what you'd think would be positive emotion because there was a lot of positive stuff going on with that relationship. But, you know, Brene Brown says in some of her work that you can't selectively numb emotion. Mm. And so by suppressing all this negative emotion, you also suppress happiness and joy and, and positive emotion. And what I found was that the closer I was getting to my my now wife, as I opened up to that positive emotion, in a way I started to become more and more depressed because I was also opening up a lot of negative emotion. Wow. Yeah, it was very difficult. I knew, like from an outsider's perspective, like knew in my head that things were very good. This was a woman that I did not want to um, lose. lose. And at the same time, I was like getting more depression symptoms Mm. as things went on. Did you Um, know at the time why some of that negative stuff was coming up? No. I asked Ryan what effect depression had on his mind and his thoughts. Basically it was can't stop the head from running, can't stop the thoughts from spinning around, which also was can't stop the body from churning as a result of what the you know thoughts were doing. There was the shame element because such a big part of my identity had been being a high achiever and I was now achieving very, very little. Mm. Basically, whatever I'd set my mind on, even if I could set my mind on something, it would just run, repeat over and over and it was like I couldn't calm things down. Mm. Were there certain thoughts that were repeating over and over? Probably one of the key ones was concerns about my body. So it's like, what the hell is happening to my body? Why can't I get up? You know, this should be easy for me. Why am I finding this so difficult? Why can't I stop the adrenaline running? You know, why can't I stop my gut churning? Did that come with any messages about you as a person, your value, you know? Do you start saying anything to yourself about yourself in that time or not? Look, I I did for sure. But being 10 years ago now, I'd probably have to pull out small journals to actually see what they were. But I know there were messages on repeat and they they weren't kind. <laughs> As you can hear, depression took Ryan to a really low and really stuck place. But I'm glad to report that's not where he stayed. Probably the first step of things improving, a friend actually recommended that I saw a therapist and recommended one to me. And so when I met with this therapist and... She gave me, a, I think, a CD 10 years ago. Oh, CD, hello. <laughs> I think it was a CD. Nice. Or maybe, maybe well, it was it could an, have been, could it have was, been vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was MP3, I don't know. But <laughs> long story short, she gave me a couple of tracks mm. to listen to, which was breathing, a breathing exercise and a body scan exercise, and basically said, your body is just running at a million miles an hour the first thing we're going to have to do to make any progress is you go and listen to these tracks and do some breathing for a week, as in like a couple times a day, morning and night. Hmm. Do some breathing, do some body scans. We want to try and calm your body down Hmm. so that when you come back, we might be able to, your body might be calm enough that we can start peeling back some layers. Hmm. So basically, I did the breathing exercises. I did more breathing than body scan, but anyway, they were both great. And, and just like in a nutshell, what did that do for you? I mean, the idea was just to calm my body down enough, um, basically try and slow my mind down enough that I wasn't racing around a treadmill 
like it obviously helped enough as step number one. Kind of like the emergency tool. It, totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and so I got into a rhythm of seeing this therapist. And so one of the great things was she actually had a lot of tools to draw from. One of the key ones that worked for me was guided imagery meditation. Mm-hmm. So we would be talking, you know, about a particular topic. And then she would, you know, ask me to close my eyes, paint a picture of the scene that I was in, or at least some of it. And then she would prompt me to fill in the rest of the scene, basically, whether it was me having a conversation with family member or someone else may enter the scene. And, you know, the prompts might be things like, what do they look like? What's the expression on their face? How are you feeling now? You know, what are you doing? And I, and I would imagine that I was starting to walk over towards them, say, and she'd say, how's that feel? And I'd say, my feet are stuck. Or what are they stuck with? Are you, and there'd be weeds growing around them or something like that. And so there was quite a lot of these meditations where she would give me prompts and my subconscious would fill the space with what needed to come out. Mm. And then she would help me unpack what happened in that little kind of few minutes that we did that. And that was really helpful. It seemed to work for me. And I'd get a lot further in doing something like that that I would have been talking for an hour, say, mm. which is nothing wrong with talking for an hour. Mm-hmm. But these seemed to get me deeper, faster, and bring something out. And so this, was, this had moved on from just being to do with calming to actually the content albeit subconsciously accessed some of the stuff that uh-huh. was sitting behind the yeah. depression, do you think? Yeah. Like the relationships and the feelings yeah. and the patterns. It was kind of accessing that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. And it was it was probably, now that I think about it, it was probably the first, when I say my body had something to say, it was probably the first window into that. Hmm. I wasn't thinking about it, but through these prompts, my body or my being would present something in front of me to be able to then unpack. And the the journey for me since then really has been to try and find what are the things within my body that need to be brought to my consciousness so that I can unpack them. Mm. Um, So we did a number of those guided imagery meditations and we found that a lot of our conversations were coming back to my father, my relationship with my father, and she recommended that I went and saw someone who specialised in forgiveness and who actually specialised in adult children forgiving their parents. Interesting. And this had a major effect on me in terms of moving me forward, actually, the forgiveness journey. Yet I only think I had two sessions with him because he actually, rather than being a counselling session, he was taking me through his process that he had developed for forgiving someone. Mm. So my meetings with him were more about the content of his process Mm. and what I needed to go and do as homework. Mm. And the tool that you used to go through was journaling. And so what the process informed was how you would journal, so what you would journal about and what you would write in what kind of order. And so basically... I ended up running through this process, which was journaling every day, which for me took about maybe 10, 12 days. And some days would be 15 minutes, and another day might be an hour, depending what was kind of flowing at the time. But the end result of 
when I'd finished it was a huge release of tears. So sobbing for, um, I don't know, there's probably 30 minutes or something of, of uh, well, not just sobbing, I'd say wailing as, you know, something was coming out of me kind of thing. And it was one of the first times I can recall where I have cried so much and felt a, like some sort of deep release at the end of the tears. Like there was something that I had actually moved on uh-huh. in doing so. Mm. And so that was amazing. Mm. Um, and I've subsequently used that, or I, I, I carried on. Great. Like I just, who else do I need to forgive, including myself? Mm. And let's run the process through. And so I did the process on maybe three, four key kind of people that came to mind that I felt like I needed to forgive. And so I ran the process. So like that time I left all those dishes in the sink when we lived together, <laughs> was I? <sighs> Took me a few weeks yeah, on that one. Yeah, that was yeah. a big one. Yeah. <laughs> they were really, really baked on, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. So the, probably the key benefit that gave me was I learned in running through that process how journaling was the window to my soul or body or whatever you want to call it. Subconscious. Yeah, yeah, dead right. And mm. so since then, that has become my main tool of unpacking mm. and ask myself, I'd write down the light body, what are you trying to tell me? What needs to come out? And then I could just write random thoughts of whatever was spilling onto the page. Mm. And then if I was lucky, something would spill out and I'd be like, oh, that's interesting wasn't expecting that to come out let's kind of write more about that Hmm. and a lot of the time I might write 15 20 minutes or maybe 30 and then find at the end of it that my anxiety has subsided Hmm. and that I'd let go of something that had been down there for who knows how many years Hmm. hi it's Mick here I hope you're enjoying are you mental as you can imagine making this podcast is a pretty time-consuming pursuit And I often get asked how people can support the podcast. So what you can do is go to gofundme.com and search the words, are you mental? That's gofundme.com and search, are you mental? Okay, on with the episode. These days, Ryan is not in that low and difficult space. But like all of us, he still has his ups and downs, including unresolved stuff that comes to the surface. So what I find now is... I don't meet with my therapist nearly as much. Over time, I learned that I could shift big items with my journal at a much lower cost. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get down to the nuts and bolts here. And, and at a frequency that I could do as I pleased and then just go back when, it, when I needed help with something. Yeah, cool. yeah. Which is great because on the most part, I'm doing fine. Um, but what I find now is that if there's something that I know is just beneath the surface that I'm trying to tap, I'll use journaling as a tool. And if I can't seem to make any progress with it, that's when I'll go to my therapist and say, I know there's an issue around this particular topic Hmm. and it's out of focus for me. And so generally my conversation with my therapist will be trying to get some clarity around the particular piece that I know needs to be unearthed. Mm. It's not resolved in the session, but I can then take that clarity to my journal. 
which quite often is me letting go or grieving whatever it was. And then, not always, but reasonably often now there's tears attached to grieving and letting go of something. Mm. And I'm like, great. Um, quite often after crying, I'll know something shifted and I'll be glad that it's happened. But normally it actually takes a couple of days. I might feel after, if I have a good cry, mm. I might find that it's a couple of days of feeling a little lethargic. And then on day, say, three, I'll feel lighter. Yeah, cool. What about some of that functional stuff? Was there stuff that helped on a physical level? As in, you know, people talk about getting out to nature or walking or running or exercise or sleep or any of that kind of more functional surface level stuff. Did that play into it at all? Yeah, there were definitely things that, sorry, there were other tools that I used that were not necessarily like, big scanning the depths of my inner being tools, but nonetheless, they were really helpful. Probably the main one was exercise. There's a few things now just tactically that I'll do if I feel like I'm feeling a bit low. And one will be go for a run. One is I'm, I'm terrible at checking news websites. Well, checking news websites and checking email. If I find myself doing that too often, I know that my anxiety is running a little bit, so I'll deliberately stop doing those things. And then the other thing is um, turning off notifications on my phone. I've done that years ago now, so almost all notifications off, so I don't you know, get these little prompts every time an email comes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'll deliberately try and take some sort of positive action on something that I've been procrastinating about. Mm. So I can go and see my inbox of these things that, need doing or it could even be things like you know I've run out of supplements for whatever the little thing is that you know has been the back of my brain for three weeks or more that needs doing and I just haven't got around to it I'll go and do those things and basically get a positive feedback loop from being able to tick something off my list that I've done yeah and I find like the cardio mixed with I've achieved something that can quite often just propel me to feeling good again Another really useful habit that Ryan's picked up lately is yoga. And just short little 10-minute kind of yoga stretches in the morning or night, and Mm -hmm. that's been, like, more recent. But that, I've found, is a really great tool, actually, to calm my mind, make my body feel amazing, especially either first thing in the morning or just before I go to bed. I'll go to bed feeling really quite pleasant and restful. So that's been really good. Um... Something else that comes to mind was I did the lightning process. So well, I have to pause you there, lightning process. So the lightning process is basically a process that is like a learned process that allows you to catch yourself when you're, you might have a negative thought running through your mind. It allows you to catch the thought, hmm. park it to one side, have a little conversation with yourself and replace the thought with one that is positive and true Mm -hmm. and then believe that Mm. positive, true thought and move on. Hmm. So I feel like in that, even just relating it to my own life, I love the idea of that. Yeah. And I think uh, it has a lot of use. The, The bit that I always wonder about is the believing it bit, you know? Yeah. That seems like the hard part to me. It's one thing to capture the thought, and that's, that in itself is not easy, but it's doable. Yeah. 
to come up with another thought that would be more healthy and, and is true and is more positive, that's not that hard. Yeah. But the next step of actually truly believing it. Yeah, I guess the, at least my understanding of how the guy came up with this was his studying of the placebo effect. Mm, because right. effectively the placebo is something actually does adjust in your body when you believe something to be true, even if it's not true. Mm. And so he put a lot of effort into studying how does placebo work. And one of those ways, if I've got this correct, is that you have to feel like the cause of the thing that is causing you either a positive or negative outcome is outside of your control or outside of your body. So right. it's a third party thing. Yeah. Let's say it's a drug you're taking and you believe that to be doing something positive for you even though it's not. Yeah. And you have a positive effect. Yeah. Well it's because it's this external thing. So that was one of the ways placebo works. And so the lightning process, when you do it, part of it is that you'll move into a coaching role with yourself. So you're kind of like acting as an external coach as you coach yourself with the positive, true truth. Right. And then you can like step back into your own self mm. and receive it and say, have I received that and do I believe it? Mm. And, if, and if you haven't believed it, you will go back into the role of the coach and mm. carry on coaching until you can step into yourself and say, actually, I believe it now. Mm. And then you can take that on. So it's really quite interesting. It, so you're the kind of playing the role of the person dispensing the medication or dispensing the medicine. Yeah. Uh, and the role of the person receiving it. Yeah. So the at least in Auckland, the, the practitioner I used now has created a new course similar called, mm. called The Switch, but the lightning process still exists, and that's what right, I did right. uh, with other practitioners. Okay. And you found that helpful? I found it helpful. I didn't find it a you know silver bullet that just solved everything, but it was really helpful. So, for instance, if I was telling myself that I was too lethargic to go for a run, then I'd be able to use the lightning process to actually feel differently about that and go for a run and then get positive feedback from the fact that I did a run to feel better about myself. Because mm. I feel like with depression, there are very real spirals that happen, aren't there? Uh-huh. You have the downward spiral and you have the upward spiral. Did right. And we all, well, maybe not all, but I know what it feels like to have the downward spiral. You have a negative thought about yourself. You don't do something. You then witness, witness yourself being lazy or ineffective or not achieving. You then It only serves to confirm this negative thought about yourself or this negative self-view. The story gets stronger. The spiral goes downwards, right? Yeah. But the other spiral exists. Absolutely. In that if you can make that switch yeah. and end up on the run, you get some endorphins, you get a bit of dopamine, whatever Ab it is. You absolutely. start to think, oh, I'm a guy who just went for a run. I'm probably a guy who could probably answer a couple of emails. Oh, I just uh, confirmed that uh, podcast interview, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, oh, we're going to do that. I better write some questions. And the upward spiral is a thing. It happens. Totally. When I catch myself in a downward spiral, then that's when I'll very quickly come up with the exercise with doing something that I've been procrastinating about to get you know, a positive reaction and then doing something like yoga. So I'll quickly now try and put in there mm. things that will catch me mm. on a downward spiral and spiral me back up. Mm. Nice, yeah, nice. And I, would I be right in saying with the lightning process and probably switch uh, that they are based on, if not borrowing heavily from CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy? 
It sounds similar to me. Yeah, I mean, it's the... I don't know enough about the whole thing mm. to answer that, but yes, it's very similar in that you're trying to catch a an automatic thought and then replace that mm. with one that's going to serve you mm. better. Mm. I think where it probably is a bit more helpful is that rather than just trying to say the positive thought over and over again until you receive it, is the process in which you do that probably allows it, at least for me, allowed that thought to sink in easier. Yeah, and be believed. And be believed, mm. yeah. Totally. Um, as far as your experience of that time goes, you've mentioned a few things and, and you've touched on anxiety, you've touched on burnout, but what was it about your experience that makes you realise it was depression? Well, I remember succinctly uh, one session with my therapist where she gave me a, a book and in it had a, like a checklist, score these from one to five or whatever, and I scored them and out the bottom pops, oh, you're depressed. I'm like, Oh, wow. And that actually was really helpful because I kind of took it from a what's going on with me to a like, oh, there's a word to hang on this. And that's that's probably how I knew it was like the self-diagnosed checklist. What did your depression do to your ability to enjoy the stuff you would usually enjoy? Ah, uh, yeah. No, it zapped away. I'd say all of that. I actually remember driving along in my car and I must have had like a, a fun old memory come to mind or maybe a joke someone had told or something. And I smiled and I thought to myself, wow, I've not felt that feeling in like two years. So that was like one of those other moments of going, oh my goodness, yeah, things aren't too good. <laughs> Fast forward to now and I asked Ryan what life's been like for him lately. It's been good, you know. Like it's definitely had its ups and downs, but since the kind of therapy journey began, it's been like a progression upwards with obviously with setbacks and kind of up and down, but the trajectory has been good. Yeah, I'm finding actually life is very rich now. Like if I pull my journal out now, there's a lot more gratitude that's going on in the pages. You know, there would have been very little of that when I started. And so... Yeah, now I'm really enjoying the richness of life being both the the good and the bad or the what feels like light and dark or just the whole, the paradox of the whole thing mm. feels to me very rich. I would not wish to go through that again or wish it on anyone else to go through it. Nonetheless, I received a gift for going through it, mm. which I'm grateful for. Yeah. It's good, man. Um. If you stepped foot in an elevator and someone asked you what helped you out of depression and you only had, say, a five-story elevator ride to tell them, what would you say? I'd say find yourself a great therapist. To the best of your ability, which could be very low, try and get some exercise. Um, and being curious. You know, after I was aware that my body needed to talk, I was being curious, what does my body have to say and what does it still have to say today? Um, don't try and run away from the pain. It's working through the pain. We'll bring you out the other side. That might be all I'd suggest. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's good, man. It's really good. If someone's listening to this now and they themselves are in the middle of it, you know, 
in the middle of depression and feeling very dark and to use your word hopeless and they're listening to this what would you want to say to them I think I'd say life can be good again it can be rich again I think finding a good therapist and being able to reach out to someone to help is a step worth taking. You know, what have you got to lose by doing that? And for me, and I would hope for you, that might be an invitation to the rest of the journey to walk through this. And what can lie on the other side of that for someone? Life on the other side it can be richer and actually the walking into a dark cave to wrestle with your demons can actually bring a richer more fulfilling life on the other side a massive thank you to ryan for opening up so much and sharing some pretty tough moments of his life with us Us Kiwi men are not always great at sharing our weaknesses as well as our strengths, so I hope that he will inspire more of us to bring that stuff out into the open. I happen to know that Ryan's only motivation for coming on the podcast is his desire that others will find hope through hearing his story. And he's a big supporter of the podcast in more ways than one. If this episode has brought anything up for you and you'd like to talk to someone, no matter where you are in the world, you can go to checkpointorg.com global for a list of local helplines. And if you're in Aotearoa, New Zealand, you can call 1737 at any time of the day or night. As I've said, we're looking for the funds to make the next episode. At time of recording, we're halfway there, so we'd love you to help with that. You can go to our website, areyoumental.com, and click on Donate. A big thank you to the Love It Media team for all their work and support, and a special shout out to Josh for the slick new website. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at Are You Mental Podcast, and just like every other podcast you listen to, we'd love you to quickly give us a five-star rating, and if you're an absolute champ, a review as well, preferably a positive one. I'll see you back here soon for another episode, and until then, have a mental week. <laughs>